Welcome to the latest United We Stand. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm in North London. I've just walked from Tottenham Hale Station right up the high road towards White Hart Lane, the home of Tottenham Hotspur, one of the best teams in England this season and it's a huge day for Tottenham Hotspur and I realised that walking up the high road because I only focus on what Manchester United are doing and I was walking past the pub seeing them packed with Tottenham fans watching Leicester and then I thought, wow, this this is a huge game for Tottenham because, well, they've got to beat Manchester United, but also they're going to hope that Leicester uh, don't win. By the time you listen to this, you'll know the results of uh, all all the matches. And I was struck by how um, the area of Tottenham walking up the high road. I was listening to accents and languages from around the world. I saw clothes shops selling clothes with fashions I've never seen before in, in, in Manchester. I saw a shop with the biggest wedding cakes I've ever seen um, in, in my life. And I walked right past the ground and I've come in a pub called the Antwerp Arms, a really nice pub, packed with Tottenham fans, with a couple of Manchester United fans as well. And I'm joined by two Tottenham season ticket holders, two lifelong Tottenham fans, um, Martin Cloak and Cat Law from the Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur Independent Supporters Trust. They work closely with the club. They also work um, with their equivalents at other clubs to help get better ticket allocations. And I'll ask them about their help in getting Manchester United a bigger ticket allocation for, for the game today. Um, Martin, t- tell me, t- today's game against Manchester United, it seems like a massive match for you. You've not won the league for since, what, 60, 62, 61? Thanks for reminding us of that. Sorry. Uh, very, very grateful for that. Um, it, it's a huge game. It's been a fantastic season for us, really enjoyable. Obviously, the in, unusual thing for us is to still be in with a shout at this stage of the season. So uh, probably have to say to people, if there's any kind of shouting and jumping around, it will be that the telly downstairs has just seen Sunderland get the first of the goals they're going to get against Leicester today uh, to, uh, to help keep us in the race. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a really big game. Uh, we, you know, we have to win. Uh, we've got to keep the pressure on Leicester. Uh, whatever the result is in, in, in that game as well. Um, personally, I've, I've thought for a few weeks it's going to go down to the last game of the season, so it's going to be a real nail-biter. But, um, yeah, we, we absolutely need to get a result today as well. And, you know, we've got this record, which the press has been on about, and we haven't beaten you uh, at home for, uh, was it, 15 years now as well. So that, that needs to be turned around. I've seen some incredible Manchester United games there. One of my favourites was in 91. It was a 2-1 win. Back before Manchester United were winning titles and came here, Brian Robson scored a goal and stood in the older way end and the atmosphere was really good and it's 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 a ground I'd love to 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 come to as an away fan, although the traffic is usually horrendous. It's a ground which is going to change a lot as well. Before I ask you about the stadium redevelopment, tell me a bit about Tottenham the area, because I'm not from here. It seems fascinating. Uh, it, it is a really interesting area, and I suppose over the last 20 or 30 years it's become synonymous with uh, inner-city deprivation and problems and you know, various riots that have gone on as well, and that, that, that can't be ignored. But it's interesting because if you go back to the late 1890s and early 1900s, Tottenham was one of the emerging suburbs of London. Uh, that people were moving out of the smoke and the mess of, of central London and trying to get a better life for themselves. So they moved up. And London, London of course, is on a bowl, isn't it? So the, the, you know, the outer-lying areas, like Tottenham, are on the ridge of that bowl, as the centre of London is, is right down in, in the pit of it, if you like. Um, and that was very much what, what, what influenced the growth of Tottenham Hotspur as a football club as well, that we take great pride in the fact that the, you know, the club was, was founded just at the end of this road, actually, underneath the lamppost by, by a group of schoolboys. Uh, who were fascinated by uh, the, the legend of Sir Harry Hotspur. Uh, and so Tottenham Hotspur was born as a football club. 
there. And in the in the 20 or 30 years after that, they became uh, the sort of representative not only of the South against the North, because it was the Northern industrial teams that dominated professional football, and Spurs were still an amateur team then as well. But they were also uh, a representative of the rising suburbs as well. So there was this whole thing that, you know, you had some of the London teams like, uh, you know, Arsenal and West Ham and Millwall that come from the traditional heavy industries, from the docks and from the ironworks as whatever. Spurs were a suburban team. Uh, and when they won the FA Cup in 1901, the only non-league team to win the Cup, and that's a record I don't think is ever going to be surpassed, that was the, the, the great thing. And if you read the newspaper reports at the time uh, of the celebrations on the high road in 1901, they said that uh, seems like it hadn't been seen since the relief of Mafeking in the Boer War a couple of years before. So it really meant a lot to people. So I think in, in the early years, Tottenham Hotspur was, were very much a club of the, of, the, of the rising south, of the amateur game against the old kind of professionalism of the north uh, uh, you know, and that whole kind of north-south divide thing, I think, was already there at that stage as well. But there was an enormous amount of pride in it. Uh, and Tottenham, at, at that stage, and if you look at the housing stock, and you're looking at where we're sitting now, we're looking out of a window uh, over at a park opposite the Antwerp Arm. It's a really, really pretty, really nice part of London. It's a beautiful spring, sunny day uh, as well. And that's not uh, an image that people associate with Tottenham. And in a way, Tottenham's been very, very hard done by. Um, I grew up on the other side of the borough, uh, in the uh, in the, the, the sort of early to mid 70s, and the thing that really did for Tottenham that the last big industry was the Gestetna factory, Gestetna photocopier factory, and when that closed down, that was really at the start of the Thatcher era. That was a death knell um, for Tottenham, and since then, uh, it, it hasn't really been taken care of. And that the view is that you know because it was a solidly Labour area, Labour took it for granted, and the Tories didn't really want anything to do with it. So whoever's been in the government has not really looked at, at Tottenham, uh, and, it, and it has been forgotten and it's been left behind. And over the past 20 or 30 years, it's been one of those areas where lots of different communities, when they first come to, le to London, they'll tend to live in Tottenham. Because where the housing from? Stocks well, a bit where, where have I been seeing clothes? And um, I think there's a lot more, as the, uh, you know, as, as has, has been the pattern over the past few years, there's a lot more Eastern Europeans uh, living here now as well. Uh, it was always an area, you know, when I was a kid with, with a, a large uh, West Indian population and West African population as well. So, But as you say, if you walk down the high road, you can see... You know, so many languages, you know, from the Middle East, from the Far East, from, from, from Africa, from the West Indies as well, from Eastern Europe. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a real mix. Kat, today's crowd's going to be around 38,000. It's a sellout. You've been selling out f for years. The new ground's going to hold 60,000, so that'll obviously help Tottenham a lot in terms of uh, soaking up some of the demand there. Just tell me a little bit about the Manchester United away allocation today, because it, had going to, it was going to be reduced to 1,800 and you were involved to try and help Manchester United fans out, and I thank you for that. Yeah, sure. So um, Tottenham's capacity is 36.4 at okay. the moment, and the new ground, the planning app, is for 61,000, right. just to clarify that. yeah. So just, most... just 1,000 more than Arsenal. Exactly right, <laughs> but also 61, because that's the last year we won the, okay, won all the right. league, you know, there's a little symmetry yeah, going yeah. on there. Um, most away allocations in the Premier League, and Tottenham being no exception, are around 3,000 yeah. for travelling fans. Um, Manchester United had a, 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 a reduction in that for, oh God, what, three seasons at least, that pushed it down to about 1,800. Why was um, there a reduction? Previous bad behaviour, yeah. but not necessarily at Tottenham. And I know that you guys ballot all your away tickets. So it seemed really unfair to us that, you know, behaviour, previous behaviour at, say, Fulham or whatever, that would be with pyrotechnics or whatever else had gone on, was meaning that the allocation at White Hart Lane was reduced. It, it seemed nonsensical. It wouldn't even be the same fans who were at those two games or those three games. So um, we kind of went into bat for you guys. We worked closely with Dale Haslam at Reds Away, who's done some sterling work on all this 
kind of stuff. He had battered Haringey Council for a good couple of years over the decision to reduce your allocation, uh, you know, persistently year after year. So we'd hooked up with Dale and we went into bat for you guys. Um, our position is that all fans should be treated fairly. You know, we wouldn't want Tottenham's allocation cut. It's been cut at certain grounds. Uh, let's just say the, the Emirates in a, a cup game. We were entitled to 9,000 tickets and we got 5,184. Not that that's engraved on my brain or anything. Uh, so our argument's always been, you know, we can't say treat Tottenham fans fairly, give us a full allocation and then behave disproportionately with another set of fans. So this time, this season, you've got your full allocation. So that's great. That will help with the vibrancy. The away fans are always terrific at White Hart Lane. They have quite a good sight of the pitch. Um, you know, they're close. It's a tight ground. So the atmosphere that's generated from the away end really spurs on our home fans as well. So it should be a terrific atmosphere today. You've got a decent away following yourselves. Yes. One thing I like about Tottenham is you, you, one problem Manchester United have got, and they've got a brilliant away support. They sing the songs too fast. Tottenham, <laughs> and it will never ever change. I've, I've thought of a solution for twenty years, and it's just they just sing the songs too fast. When Tottenham sing or when the Spurs go marching in, it's done properly. It's, it's, it's done properly. It's and I am one of the people who's going, keep it slow. Right. So you have like, keep scream. It, you yeah. have keep it slow officers. Is that Absolutely. the solution? Absolutely, keep That's it what we slow. Need to do. But also Tottenham fans aren't very good at songs with a lot of words. Right. So <laughs> interestingly, most of our songs are quite simplistic, uh, which is easier to carry a crowd along. Uh, but mentioning Man United, we look to you guys as being the masters and the connoisseurs of the witty football song. So we try to nick yours at any opportunity, quite frankly. So you've got a good rep on that front. Although, to be fair, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a, a, an argument that goes on, isn't there? Because uh, some of our, you know, you talked about the Wender Spurs and, you know, the kind of glory, glory. And we always say, like, you know, United nicked, nicked that off us. And they, they don't sing it properly because they put Man United in rather than the proper words. We sing glory, glory, hallelujah. So, uh, but I think you write that. Traditionally, there's mm-hmm. always been a bit of respect, I think. You know, because people will bridle at it because there's a North-South thing. And because of the, the rivalry that the clubs have had for, for years, have been at the top of the game for a long time. But I think there's been a respect about the away support. And a lot of it, again, it goes back to when I was a kid. You know, we both we were both clubs who were supposedly big clubs that went down to the old second division. Uh, fans turned out in massive numbers to follow the club as well. Uh, and we're, I think we're, we're both sets of fans that like being pretty independent as well. So, you know, our clubs are kind of fairly big kind of corporate structures and they've got the reputation they've got. But actually, you know, we want to defend a little bit of the fan culture as well. I know a lot of that's gone on at, at Old Trafford yeah. with the various groups, the flag groups and the songs and the guy. I don't know if the guy's still there. He was in the pubs. He used to do all yeah. the songs as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as well. But, you know, you know, we've kind of got similar characters down here as well. Mm. So I think there's a huge amount of respect between the two sets of fans, even when they were having a go at each other during the, you know, the heyday of it all in the 80s as well. I think there was respect between Tottenham and Man Even United. in the 80s, I can remember being a young lad, and if I'm not mistaken, the biggest crowd at Old Trafford for three or four seasons was Tottenham at home. Bigger than Liverpool, bigger than Manchester City, bigger than Everton. Yeah. You had a glamour yeah. about you yeah. when I was yeah. a child. You know, you had your huddles and swagger. players like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, no, there, was, there were some great games up there as well, you know. I remember, I, was there, I think there was a cup game when Hoddle won in goal uh, there as well. I remember being in the away and there, and I mean, it was it was it was amazing, you know. But it was, and there was also an edge about going up there as well because you knew. I think at either ground, you knew you were going to somewhere where people knew their football, and there would be yeah a decent, you know, it'd be a decent game of football. And I mean, I've rarely seen. There's been a few, but I've rarely seen a bad game of football uh, between Spurs and Man United over all the time I've been going. I started going in 1978, so. I won't um, remind you of too many bad games for Tottenham against yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. But I Move on. <laughs> you are a guest. I've just interviewed um, Juan Sebastian Verón and he had a mixed time in, at Manchester United and yeah. I said, pick one moment out and he just honed in on the 
oh, we played one game at Tottenham Hotspur and, and we were 3-0 down at half-time and the manager was really angry with us. That and was then, my birthday. Thanks oh, so right. much. And we scored <laughs> five goals in yeah. the second half. I mean, it's a very famous yeah. game. It um, is a famous game. We should point out to listeners selective. now that we've just gone downstairs for another pint and we've just left it. It's a grand Malone about that, that game when, you know, we've just lost concentration in the second half. And, you know, yeah. no, that, that, that was the old Spurs. Hopefully we've, yeah. we've moved on from that now with, a, well, that, with our new Spurs. That's been quoted a lot, though, because there's the famous thing which wound a lot of us up, and it would with any club, but, you know, the famous thing that Roy Keane said about uh, about yeah. Alex Ferguson's team Spurs talk well, you know yeah. yeah you know lads it's Spurs it's that well yeah. you know that's that's changed around in the last couple of seasons and again going back to today's game uh, as well it, it, it's quite an odd situation because I don't you know possibly we're the favourites yeah. in this game as well certainly in terms of uh, of uh, you know how the form's gone this season as well and, and I've never known I've never gone to a game at Tottenham Consciously thinking Tottenham are favourites. Mm. There's, there's definitely an element yeah. of bias there. Yeah. But oh, today, yeah, sure, yeah. you, 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 you're but clearly favourites. I think there's a difference as well. I think that you know, the, the problem that we had, and we've had an interesting, uh, you know, that's a horrible word, isn't it? Kind of modern psychoanalysis. Uh, we've had a journey over the past couple of years, but, but we have. And, and a couple of years ago, things weren't great at this club. There was no real connection between the fans and the team on the pitch and, and the, the club, the entity of it as well. And that's really changed around. And that's partly because of being the emergence of people like Harry Kane and the homegrown players and that, that scene is really important. But are you, uh, are you worried they won't join Man United like Carrick and why, why would they take a step down? <laughs> that's, that, that's the thing, you know. Well, you're right. Right. You know yeah. <laughs> but but we, we know who we are. Tottenham are a better team yeah. at the moment. We, we know who we are, and United well. seem to have a bit of an identity crisis this year. And yeah. I think, I think that's, that's been interesting in the world. I know your fans have discussed that. Yeah. I think if we can keep our team together next season, we can have a massive push for the title. Yeah. We'll see what happens this year. To be honest, Leicester have got to drop a lot of points, and we've got to win nearly all of our six games. So it's, a, it's still a dream for us, still but on. it might just be a dream. But next year, Seriously, we can keep our team together, sign one or two good squad players. We've got a real shot at it. And, and also, last year at the old ground, then the ground share season away. Still don't know where that's going to be. Hopefully, it'll be Wembley, which will be interesting as well. And then back into our new super-duper stadium. So, as a player, why would you want to go? You wouldn't want to leave. Quite frankly, more than likely going to get Champions League football and a title challenge and all the exciting stuff that's happening at the club at the moment. For, for, for decades, I was I was able to say you'd leave because you want to win trophies by joining yeah. Manchester United, but it's not strictly strictly <laughs> true anymore. Tell me about the the stadium move, the okay. moving to your new ground. Yeah, are you relieved that it's happening? that it's on virtually the same site as where you are. Very much so on that point. Um, there was a move to take us to Stratford a few years ago that we were wholeheartedly against. Um, as Martin alluded to at the opening of this, Tottenham is a club that's rooted very much in its community. And even though the fans that come along you know, these days will be uh, from overseas or they'll, they'll come from far and wide up and down the country, it's still a community club. And for us, that must always remain. We've played every single one of our professional games since 1882, every one of our league games um, you know, within 200 yards of where White Hart Lane is now. So it's essential that we stay there. So that's great. So the site of the new ground is more or less overlaying the old one. So that's fantastic. Really, really pleased about that. It will be a lot of upheaval. Um, it will be emotional to say goodbye to the old ground. I think next year uh, will be, you know, a, a pretty defining one for an awful lot of people who want to say their own goodbyes to, to White Hart Lane. Um, no ground's ever going to be the same as that. So it's about preserving the atmosphere and making it feel like it's a house for the fans still in the new ground. Um, the architects populace have been pretty keen to preserve that. So it will be very, very tight to the pitch again. 
Um, they've built in a 17,000 seater cop end, so a single tiered stand, uh, which is going to be the south stand, and that will be the main home section. So the atmosphere in there should be fantastic. Um, the plans look amazing, to be utterly honest with you. Obviously, there's the NFL tie-up as well. So we've got a retractable pitch, completely retractable, which just blows my head off, to be quite frank. Um, but all the other stuff that they're, that they're planning, like a five-storey mezzanine in the home end, various you know food experiences and everything, it should be a, a proper 21st century stadium. So that's great. But there'll be pain along the way. So that includes us having to play away for the whole of next, the season after next. Uh, and as we said, anywhere we go is not going to be perfect. The two options that seem to be left on the table are either Wembley or Milton Keynes. Obviously, bang against Milton Keynes for all the reasons that we explained before we are a London club it's absolutely essential that we stay in London and just things like the transport up there isn't great it's 45 minutes out of Euston it's at least another 20 odd quid on a train fare uh, the stadium's only 30,000 it's not great so for us uh, the trust we've been campaigning to stay in London so we've been running a campaign called a London ground for a London club so for might us share if we with, get um, Wembley that'd be great might share with Arsenal yeah, why don't we actually you know what uh, 60,000 <laughs> we had this kind of informal discussion they won't go anywhere near it. Why would they? They don't even need the blinking money and it's just be paying for them. Manchester. But their fans would absolutely screw over this. For me, in my warped sense of humour, the thought of playing at the Emirates, then getting a home cup tie as the home team against Arsenal and giving them 4,000 of their own tickets would almost make it worthwhile. It would be hilarious. But no, I can't see that happening. <laughs> Pochettino, I mean, I, I'm hearing a little bit of Man United with Pochettino. Um, He's done incredibly well, hasn't he? I think we can see what that is because, the, you know, it's back to kind of football goes into the, the regular narratives, doesn't it? Certainly on the, on the playing side. So, you know, it's just the big club thing again. So who've been, the, the, you know, the traditional big clubs that struggled a bit, maybe looking for a new manager, Chelsea, Manchester United this season. Um, if, if you discount City, because we're not quite sure how it's going to work out with them, but I'm sure you want to discount City anyway on this podcast. Um, so uh, they, they're looking at, exactly... They're looking at, you know, who, who are the likely managers and uh, Pochettino's obviously uh, come up there because we're second in the league at the moment, because the football's decent, because he's been attracting a bit of attention. Uh, who's he more likely to go to? I can't see Pochettino ever going to Chelsea with the culture of that club and the way that they, uh, their attitude to youth, the way they like to play football, the way things work in that club, from what we know about it, in a million years. United is obviously more of a fit because of the attitude to youth, because of the way that the football needs to be played. Um, so I think that that's why those stories have come up. I would still go back, and again, you know, this will have, have your listeners kind of throwing their iPods out the window as well, but it, 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 at the moment it comes back to, and I think normally we'd be a bit more worried about it, at the moment, why does he need to move? Why does he need to take that step down? Uh, what he's done over the past couple of years is that he's built something uh, at this club. He's got himself into a position where he is in control of what happens uh, on the pitch. I think one of the criticisms for a long time about Spurs was that the boardroom maybe was a little bit too uh, involved in what happened on the pitch now. Everybody knows there's some fairly clear lines of responsibility. We've played some football. I think we played, again, I'm biased, but I think we played the best football to watch. And I think even if Leicester win the league, we would have played the best football to watch, but they would have been the better team because you win the league by being the better team. So there's no, there's no kind of grouching about that. So I think that's, that's what Pochettino's done. He's given us a bit of a sense of identity back. He scored but, more goals and conceded less yeah, goals. Exactly, yeah, exactly, so, yeah. So the, you know, the, the record speaks for itself. I, I think the interesting thing about Pochettino as well, and I think, you know, he's obviously a really bright guy. Uh, he is a very, very promising manager. 
but he hasn't won anything yet. He hasn't achieved anything. So what he needs to do to get onto the next level is that he needs to achieve something. He needs to, and you know, getting us into the Champions League will be an achievement. But I think probably for professionals, and certainly for me as a bit of an old school fan, you know, qualifying for a competition is fine, but it's winning something. That's what football's about. It's about winning a trophy, and that's it. He he'll know that he needs to win something, and I think that he is closer to doing that. With us, you know, let's say for argument's sake, he did go to Manchester United over the summer, and you know the money goes in there. And I think that the financial landscape is going to be very, very different next year as well. You know, Bournemouth are going to have as much clout in the transfer market as Bayern Munich, uh, you know, because of the way the TV deal is going to work out and the, and the prize money goes. That's the reality of English football in the Premier League. But Pochettino needs to achieve something. If he went to Manchester United, it's maybe a season, maybe a season and a half, maybe two seasons to look at that squad, to clear out the people that he doesn't like, to get the people on his side as well. So why take that? And that, that's the real step back. It's not about stature of pride or having a go at you know, one club or the other. It's, it's, it's a time thing. He's still quite a young manager, but he needs to achieve something. And I think he's best place to do that with Spurs. Tell you a couple of little things about him because I, I covered him closely when he was at Espanyol. Yeah, yeah, of and course. And by, by the end of that time, their fans had had enough of him, they wanted him out. And then he went to Southampton. And his former number two, Manolo Marquez, who's been a guest on this podcast uh, at Espanyol, he told us a story that, well, he didn't say it on the podcast, but he told me the story. He went to see him at Southampton, who were playing Tottenham. And he went to see him in the, the team hotel at Southampton. And Mauricio said, just wait a minute, Manolo, I'm just going to change. He said, but you always wear a tracksuit. He said, no, no, I'm wearing a suit today. And Manolo said, why? Why are you wearing a suit? He said, because I have a, I, I, somebody tells me that Tottenham Hotspur may be interested and I want to Ooh. put across my best impression. So if you start seeing him wearing a suit at Manchester <laughs> United games... He's, he's very well said that. I remember that game, though, because that was the game. When if, and everybody knew that. Everyone said, this is, this is Pochettino's interview. Yeah. for the job at okay. Tottenham uh, and, and it, well, he, he we, we won that because Tactics Tim Sherwood outsmarted them on that, on that game didn't he as well so, Tim but Sherwood couldn't yeah. outsmart anyone yeah, well, we can, <laughs> but, but, but the interesting thing about, about that though as well is that because I know the criticism of, of Pochettino has always been that you know, at the end of the season these teams run out of steam they run out of legs as well it looks less likely this year but people have been saying well, well we're in know, April. Is, is, that, yeah, is that the case yeah. yeah. But and I know that was, a, that was a thing at Espanyol as well wasn't it yeah but I think, I think we've had enough ups and downs at, at Spurs over the last 10 or 15 years uh, to, to, to want a little bit of stability as well. So I think people want to believe a bit more, which is always helpful, but I think he's done enough to be trusted. He's hugely popular at the moment with our Massive. fan base. Massively popular. Um, with, with the ladies as well, because at Espanyol he was very popular. Very much so. Yeah. But let's face it, the whole team's very popular with the ladies. Okay. <laughs> because of the way they're playing. Because of the way they're playing, exactly. <laughs> Okay, um, finally, Harry Kane, has he been as good as people have said? Harry Kane's awesome. Yeah. Best striker in the country by a country mile. Sorry about that. I think he's fantastic. And the right attitude as well. Give Rashford a few years and then I'll be joking. (laughs) Okay, predictions then for for today's game and for where you'll finish in the league this year, finally. 2 1 to us today, and I think we're going to end up second. Uh, I'm still clinging on to us winning it on goal difference on the last day of the season. That means we've got a win today, and I think that if we play the, uh, the team and not the name, I think we should win today. Thank you for your time, and thank you very much for helping increase Manchester United's ticket allocation by 1,100 yeah, tickets. Yeah, you're very welcome. That's a lot of tickets. That it is a lot it was of tickets. last year as well as this year, to, yeah. to be accurate, wasn't it? So I've just walked out the door of the Antwerp Arms and can see a London underground train going overground. 
in between where I am and White Hart Lane, which is about four or five hundred metres away. The, the pub is full of absolutely packed, and everybody's watching the Leicester game. And when Leicester scored, there was disappointment, but also people. I think they they deep down don't expect to win the league. There were quite a few United fans in now. Uh, it got a little bit rowdy at one point where United fans were singing and some of the Tottenham fans told them to calm down and uh, someone had a bit of beer thrown at, at them. Um, a couple of counter allegations but I think it's calmed down now and I'm glad it's calmed down because it's a good pub, there was a lot of good people in there. So I'm just walking up to get my ticket and meeting the lad outside end um, and I've just been told that the game's been put back 15 minutes because of traffic traffic near Tottenham who would have ever guessed that and as I'm talking here the lads who've come down on the monkey bus have said we've just arrived so they'd originally said that they hoped to meet me at 2pm it's now 3.20 so they just sound like they've been stuck in cognitive traffic for uh, a long while so I'm going to go into the ground, 3,000 United fans, looking forward to the game because I always look forward to games and no matter how good, bad or indifferent Manchester United are, I will always feel like a surge of optimism before the match and think that the team will not lose. Um, the only time I didn't think that was the last time I did a podcast before the derby and United then went up. I'll tell you what was also interesting, there was a, a table of ladies, Tottenham ladies, uh, in the pub we've just been in and they, they, they were all having a, a few pints and it's clear that they go to a lot of the matches and they weren't too impressed that there were some Man United fans in there singing and then he heard one of the ladies confide in another one and say, that Rashford, he looks like some player. And it was very interesting to hear them talking about a young Manchester lad who they will have only seen on television, but he excited them. And I can see that Rashford has got something, but he's also very roaring. You speak to people at the club and they're saying it's great that what's happening is happening, but it's all a little bit unexpected and they didn't expect him to progress into the first team this season. Um, so they're trying to urge people to calm down a little bit and not get carried away, but some people are getting carried away when you've got... Tottenham fans talking about him as being someone who they could see playing on the game. That shows that word has spread, and I hope that uh, things do work out for Rashford. I'm now walking past a, a row of shops. I mean, we, we spoke about Tottenham earlier on. It's a very mixed area, there's some quite deprived areas. And walking past a, a, a row of shops now, it's not the best part of, of London that I've ever, ever been to. Yeah, you. Just getting my ticket. Um, and I'm going to... Coming up now to the Spurs shop. And... Getting to the United end. Try and get in quite early, because there's been problems here in the last couple, couple of years. People um, pushing to get in. And after the match as well, it's very tight. And it's one of the reasons why Tottenham are moving, because you've got 36,000... 400 people, according to Cat, in a, a small area, and it's inevitable that there's congestion. So I shall join you, join back up with you shortly. Oh, hey, 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 hey. 
walking away from White Hart Lane now, surrounded by Tottenham fans. They've just been singing, la 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 la, your shit. Um, it's hard to disagree with that description of Manchester United in the second period. In the first half, United had all the possession but created far few, too few chances. And that, that, that's been a, it's not the first game that that's happened. It's, it's dominate the game but don't actually score any goals. In fact, it was similar last year at Tottenham in the first half. United did well. They didn't concede free like they did in about six or seven minutes. Bang, bang, bang. 3 0. It could have been more. Um, not good. Bad defeat. Back to London again on Wednesday um, for a cup game at West Ham. 5,000 United fans. Uh, I think if United don't finish in the top four or, or win the FA Cup, uh, I, find, I think it's it's be very very difficult to imagine Louis van Gaal keeping his job because it, it will amount to failure there's no other way of describing it if United don't finish in the top four and don't, don't win a trophy it's a failure he said that at the start of the season he said he was aiming to push towards putting a title challenge in that's not happened and he's, the FA Cup now is probably his last chance not that anyone wants him to stay I just walked out the ground. People are saying he can't stay. He can't stay. That, the, the, the talk is about what happens next, not what happens now. And yet, Van Hall last week was telling his friends in Holland that he's comfortable in his position, and he feels that he will be seen out the third year of a three-year project. So, I don't think he'll make that decision. He has a three-year contract. That's true. But if United don't finish in the top four, that represents a major failure. And looking at it right now, that looks very difficult. However, you're not Van Hal's like. Just as you're about to write him off, he comes up with the goods, as he did in, in the derby. But I think it's very be very fair to judge him at the end of the season. And if he isn't in the top four, then that's just nowhere near good enough. So the FA Cup, I'm going to pass it over now to the lads who've just gotten the coach back to Manchester. Um, the United end today was really good at the start and there's even a little bit of defiance at the end but there were a lot of empty seats as well people seem to have had enough and I can understand that I'm surrounded by 35,000 Tottenham fans it's a great win for them they're a good team they've got some very good players they've done a lot right they score a lot of goals they don't concede they've got young players they've got young English players they've got a very talented manager there's a lot to admire about Tottenham and it wasn't for Leicester, the freak of Leicester, Tottenham would be winning the league for the first time since 61. I'm walking back now to the Antwerp Arms pub. I'm going to walk into a pub full of Tottenham. They're all going to be happy. I can't pretend that. How can you feel happy? How can you feel even happy for them when it's not your team? And I've got to get right across London, tubes and all that. But I'll be back at West Ham on Wednesday with a podcast. We're going to hand you over now to the lads on the monkey bus. Thanks for listening. Post-match after Tottenham 3, Manchester United 0. Not, uh, not how it was panning out at half-time. Uh, the game was delayed by half an hour for reasons that are bus-related. I'm sure at some point uh, the manager will use what went on there as an excuse. and can't really blame him. I've, uh, I've used 
I've used goings on on coaches for many years as an excuse for poor performance at work so uh, I can't really grumble too much about that one uh, you know first half was all right uh, in the sense of lots of effort United seemed pretty game but uh, as is often the case uh, it reminded me a bit of uh, we played down here I can't remember what year it was but somebody will tweet in and tell us the year people who actually care about this sort of stuff uh, we were going for the title and uh, we were up against a, a plucky Tottenham team who kept it uh, kept it at nil-nil for about 70 minutes and then I think Skoll scored and then Van Nistelrooy scored and it was just one of them games where eventually the class class told through and uh, it was a bit like that today United were game for 50 odd 60 odd minutes and then uh, fell to pieces really seemed to go a bit tits up after Tim Fossimenso went off and then uh, they seemed to lose the uh, lose their way I'm just getting abuse here it's like being back at home the um, so yeah that was it really fell to pieces and then uh, they uh, didn't have a clue most of the people in the United then thought at 1-0 down that uh, that was going to be it anyway and uh, because uh, our track record under the current regime of uh, coming from behind is uh, is as bad as it can get, and uh, and yet again that was proven to be the case. So uh, not great. Uh, our dismal away record continues. We've had a couple of uh, sort of highlights. I think someone was telling me that's two two away wins in the last thirteen away games, of which one was at Anfield and one was at the Council House. So outside of that, uh, we've not got a lot to shout about. So. Uh, big, big problems at that football club, but uh, you knew all of that anyway. Anyway, outside the ground, we're uh, trying to find our coaches because of the new stadium that they're building. Um, normally, we used to be able to walk straight out and get on them, but uh, that ain't happening this time around. So just like last year, we're now having to walk, what, fucking miles really, um, in amongst the home fans who are obviously all buzzing. Um, and uh, we've now got to try and find where our bus is parked so I'm going to have a mooch about uh, I'm going to try and find a couple of United fans who uh, see what they've got to say about uh, about that effort that potentially puts the uh, final nail in uh, United's aspiration to top four um, and just about keeps Tottenham's hopes of winning a title alive Neil <laughs> I actually don't think it was 3-0 down Three would three no worse than them. I don't think we were. I thought the first half had a better team. Wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. But you know, we can't defend, can we? Class always tells though, and they were classy. So what? <laughs> well they were, weren't they? As soon as, as soon as they got one, they're classy. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's it, yeah, no, but you know, I'd, I'd rather get beat 3-0 today and beat West Ham on Wednesday night. Is that right? Well, I think so, don't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, well I don't think we're gonna win either, but hey, there you go. Yeah, but, yeah, but, we can we can beat West Ham and, and if we win the FA Cup then you know <laughs> but I mean, I'm fucking numbed yeah. I, I didn't see 3-0 coming at half time I really didn't but you know but did you see 3-0 coming when they went one up because I did uh, quite possibly we went to pieces didn't we really but, well no I didn't actually take go 3-0 down but yeah just well. threw the towel in didn't I think the big loss when um, the big centre half went off, didn't he? Mensu. Yeah, how good was he? He played really well. Yeah, didn't I, mean, I think he's fucking excellent. Me, I'd give him the team week in, week out. Never mind. Have a good drive anyway, Mark. Not a lot to say, mate. No, oh, I know that's not true. Well, it is. I'm fucking gobsmacked. You feel like we deserve something? No, I don't. No, no, not at all. When's it going to get better, Steve? 
well, we know what needs to happen for that to take place, don't we? Well, we do, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, like you say, might have, yeah, we might have played all right in the first 40 minutes, whatever, 45, 1 0. You could see it, it could have been, what, 5 6? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. I really don't. Fucking, let's fucking hope for the season to be over. <laughs> I'm a bit like that, mate. Good trip home. Where's Andy? Andy, you alright, mate? Yeah, all right. Think of that. Uh, we might as well play first goal wins because first goal goes in. It's not us. Game over. Spot on. No messing about. Ridiculous. I think we were doing all right, sort of still in the game until the substitutions, and then as soon as, as soon as Timothy went off, that was it. Played really well, didn't he? Yeah, he played brilliant. Absolutely. We've got a few plus points this season, but the mentality of the team is absolutely atrocious. To, through the towel in as soon as they I mean I knew at 1-0 that it was going to be at least 2 maybe 3-0 yeah I knew for the fact we wouldn't score we'd had our one obligatory chance when when Martial had a, had a shot but the fact that that didn't go in sealed it for us we don't, we don't have many more than one or two shots today shocking yeah can't see it changing either until no. obviously some other big stuff happens no they need someone in there that, that can change the mentality at that point thing is though you can't just expect someone to rock up with a club that's got that many deep rooted issues you can't just expect someone to rock up in July and turn that around in what six weeks absolutely not but any, any manager to come in there and let them have that freedom to feel confident and so it, it appears that they're not allowed to do anything I can't work it out I've tried all season it's absolutely madness you going to Wednesday night yeah aren't you in work at four o'clock on Wednesday yeah, I'm up at four in at six horrendous so you've come down today, we're going to get home, what, probably about 11, and you're yeah. in work at 6 tomorrow? We're in work at 6 tomorrow, yeah. And on Thursday? Oh, no, on Thursday, at 6, yeah. Got a bit of lad up from school every day this week, I'm going to be in big trouble come Thursday afternoon. <laughs> but, well worth it. You reckon? Well, <laughs> it's worth it for the trip and everything. And the game's garbage, but, yeah, um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, you know, you know, got an extra two hours on their coach today. We'd settle for that, wouldn't we? Yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, it, was, it was an extra hour for us in the in the concourse which is quite fun good trip back mate yeah you too Si come on <laughs> come on we've all got to do it what can you say <coughs> um, total disappointment I thought that uh, if Marshall had taken his, uh, taken his chance I mean it was a good chance kind of thing unlucky for him but as soon as that we missed that one two three five minutes absolutely fucking smashed <laughs> shite always it's getting worse isn't it how are you, Les? All right. I'm good, yeah. Yeah. Got me on that back. <laughs> I'll tell. I was going to tell the story about that time you cut your own fingers off. If one thing summed up a season, it's Paul Finlay rolling his red army flag from the top tier and it being upside down. <laughs> Sums it all up, doesn't it? Sorry, mate. Where go on? You were, you were in the middle of saying how shy it was. He's a tactical genius, isn't he, Van Gaal? Really knows what he's doing. Taking off a young lad, striker, because he's not doing it. And putting on Ashley Young up front. What and, le fucking, and leaving a striker on the left wing. Fucking clown move. And then leaving Rocco on. That was fucking daft. Oh, was, was I, I was surprised he even got on the pitch, because he manages to get absolutely busted every time he comes near the football field, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he got turned over and so did we today. Because we stifled him in the first half. We did everything right. And then that, that happened in the second half. It was shit. Like always. Martin? Bad 15 minutes, wasn't it? it was fucking, I thought we were all right, apart from that 15 minutes. I say all right, I mean all right, just all right, but that's <laughs> it. Yeah, we are. It's fucking, we're not so all right, and there's just no fine. There's no. There's nothing there at the end, there's no final touch. No, 
that like my show and he went through. One shot though, one shot in the game. We'll just don't, there's no words. Why is he playing Ashley Young up front when he's oh, a winger and he's playing Marshall, a striker on the wing? It's a good question. Now, if you of all people can see that, fucking hell, he must be able to. Who else have we got here? Who else can we find? Thoughts on the game, my mate? Shite. Someone else has already said that. So someone else. <laughs> fucking just one of them things, isn't it? Just. I don't even know what to say. Really. Do, you feel, just... do you feel we deserved it or not? Uh, yeah, so no, no, not really. No. Do you think we deserve no. some out of game? No, probably not. No, we didn't. We didn't create anything. We yeah, didn't create anything. Good. So, but it's one of them things. Should have been been there. Create something. You deserve to uh, get something out of it. But we didn't create anything. So, yeah. have you noticed? Have you noticed we're on a coach that's parked the opposite way to all the others? It's gonna have to do. Joey, happy birthday, mate. Did you enjoy that? Steve, nice one. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, I did. It's birthday. Yeah, yeah. he's not. He's not said out to anyone, has he? <laughs> 30th is that, birthday. Is that spoiling it or are you going to make up for it on the way home? I've, I've only come here for the way home. That's it then, innit? I've only come here for the way home, Steve. Uh, it, weren't, it weren't the best, but what can you do? I thought we were game enough in the first half, but as soon as Spurs went one up, I, everyone thought that was game over. Well, it? Once, once they scored one goal, it was, all, it was always going to be, they were always going to score again. We, we were never going to get another goal and then come back. Let's go for two men, sir. Let's go Fonsu Mensa. Well, do you know what? A lot of people have... It was quality. He was top draw and we fell to pieces when he went off yeah, and that. Exactly. As good as it is about him coming on that much, the fact that we're relying on a kid to keep a defence together is, uh, is sad really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You don't want my opinion. Go on. Shit. Oh, that's different. Oh God, it's, it's already. I need to. I need to get away from these lads before this turns into uh, turns into Bournemouth away again. So I'm gonna go and grab a couple of non-monkey bus. All right, lads. United. We stand. Podcast thoughts on the game. <laughs> Quality, mate. United. United. Oh, it's Greg. All right, mate. Yeah. Poor decision making again for me. Can someone try and suss out why? You bring, you take a forward off, and you put exactly. Ashley Young up front, and exactly. leave a forward in Ashley yeah. Young's position. Yeah. That's what I can't understand. I think it just bamboozles us all, doesn't it? That's yeah, how it's. it's uh... What do you reckon this does in terms of Wednesday night? Then do you reckon this will be a kick in the bollocks towards that? Or do you reckon we're going to come out all, all fired in on Wednesday? Well, who knows at the minute when you watch United? So you, right, you. you don't know what's going to happen, do you? You'll win, mate. You reckon Wednesday's a. Uh, Nailed, FA nailed on. FA Cup. United's nailed on Wednesday night. FA Cup has always got us out of shit when we played shit, didn't it? So maybe you're right. Safe trip back, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Quick word for the podcast, lads. How are you? Did you undo your flag the wrong way up? Someone told me. Yeah, for a reason. <laughs> That's quality. Right. United We Stand podcast, lads. Thoughts on the game? What? Podcast for United We Stand. Fucking wank, mate. That's what fucking Oh, that's good. <laughs> fucking started off as bad as them. Second half, just no passion, no desire. No, no intensity, nothing. As soon as they scored, we fucking... Heads went down. There's, there's nothing left in the tank whatsoever. Yeah, don't disagree with that, mate. Have a safe trip back yeah, and have a good booze, yeah? Nad? How are you, Stay? Uh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Dreadful, wasn't it? Not even, uh, not a single chance, and we could have played another two hours and got even later back home and not got another chance. Got what we deserved. Matty? Yeah. All Wayne Rooney's fault. Well, not today. No, <laughs> no he's, he's what we've been seeing all season. I thought the one, if you're going to get any sort of right, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
going to say Bright Spark, but they're my two bottles, Neil's just... Oh, that's, 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 that's summed today up. So I've, not that, got, I've not even got my drink on. You might, you might, you might have picked up the noise of a, a sizeable crashing sound, so we've, uh, we've been the off-licence to get a load of ale in for the beer home, and, uh, and it's just been dropped. Not for the bus, because it's non-drinking. £3.75, I'm never going to see again. But yeah. No, if there's one consolation... <coughs> If far too mental don't make a first team player, there's something badly wrong. Check it easy, guys. I thought he was our best player for a mile, I thought he was brilliant. Aside from that, it's what we've seen all season, and it we don't we score one goal or no goal every game, so you're not gonna win many football matches doing that, are you? We just let's get to the end of the season. <clears throat> let's bring Mourinho in and let's start again next year. That's that's all I can I can see happening. Blackie, you've got an enormous bag of Chris which I'm gonna help you out with. You told me how splendid you've got to do the match report for that, what are you gonna say? I think from, um, I thought half time, I thought it was just nonsense that people were saying that, all right, we, all, we, look, we you know, look all right, we're controlling the game. You can control the game in midfield and at the back, but if you're not going to score a goal, you're not going to win a game. We had one chance in the entire game, all right, keeper made a save. But the problem that, the problem that we've got is that that one chance isn't good enough to win us any games, even if it goes in. We capitulated, we had Mata on one wing, then we had Lingard in the middle, so no pace, then we had Martial the centre forward on the wing, and then we took Rashford off and put on Young as a centre forward, who's not played because he's been injured, but as a centre forward. Played for the under 21s the other day, And then, yeah, he's not 21, is he? Oh, no, he's not going to be 21 again. He's crap though. He tries really hard, we like him, but he's not very good, is he? And so what we've got is we've got a manager who's completely lost the plot. We've got a team who've got no idea and who are clueless. we completely capitulated. And the thing is, we just don't look like we're going to score. It's like we've got to be really lucky to even win a game because any time we cross the ball, it never finds one of our players. Every time we pass the ball, it never finds one of our players. Any time we create a chance, it's purely by luck. It's not by design in any way. We can't win any games playing like this. It's rubbish. We're going to win on Wednesday. Probably to save his skin, he'll pull something out ridiculously. West Ham will probably get may get nervous or something like that. He'll nick a goal, and we might we might just do that. The problem that we've got is that if he wins on Wednesday, we get to a semi final against Everton. We can beat them. We'll end up winning the cup, and he'll stay for a year. We want I to think, win I the think, cup. I want us to win the cup. Yeah, but what will happen is, is we'll 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 get through against West Ham. We'll beat Everton, and then we'll get rolled over by fucking Watford in the final or something like that. Yeah. Right, as you can see, everybody's in a good mood, so uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap that one up. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm getting 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 stared at by police officers. Time I get on the bus. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, we'll be back for the next game, which is West Ham in the cup. Which uh, Andy will be doing something during uh, before and during and. Uh, I might uh, have a, a ramble with hopefully some m better improved in terms of Mood United supporters who uh, might have a trip to Wembley and a semi-final to celebrate. But in the end, not good enough. And the result probably ultimately uh, was uh, what we deserve for the performance in the last 35 minutes. Until the next podcast, cheers.